Welcome to another edition of Bitcoin Tech Talk. My name is Jimmy Song, and you can always find this newsletter at jimmysong.substack.com to get a newsletter in your inbox every Monday morning at 9 a.m. Proof of stake is useless. Bitcoin Tech Talk, issue number 274. Proof of stake is being used by those that really know very little about Bitcoin as a way to accuse it of being wasteful. It's not only newbies that make this accusation, nor creators of altcoins who have a clear interest in adding FUD to Bitcoin, but also people in the political sphere. This is a complete misunderstanding, which is not only annoying, but starting to influence people that really ought to know better. Proof of stakers really have no idea what they're talking about. Proof of stake doesn't solve the problem it purports to solve and is therefore useless. In today's column, I hope to show exactly why. Proof of stake is positioned as an alternative to proof of work <clears throat> and seen by the proponents as an, a more ethical alternative. Instead of spending energy on proof of work, you can instead use signers to validate blocks. Usually, there's some incentive for signers in the form of block rewards, meaning that for the low cost of signing a block, they can dilute other holders of the coin. The result is a rich-get-richer system. There's generally some minimum to stake, so only those with enough coin can stake, and stakers get newly printed tokens. So it's a nice advantage for the rich, not unlike the fiat system. The bigger problem, though, is that proof-of-stake doesn't solve anything. It's really a mechanism of reward that works well enough in a centralized system, but doesn't work in a decentralized system. This has to do with the problem that proof of work is solving. The problem is that decentralized things tend to get out of sync and there, as there's no central authority, figuring out what is true, what the state of the ledger is, becomes impossible. This is known in the industry as the Byzantine generals problem and it was an open question whether decentralized consensus was possible. Proof of work is what solved that problem of coordination. Without proof of work, you can't tell which is the real ledger. One ledger says A paid B, another says A paid C instead, which is correct. Proof of work gives, a, a, gives each actor in the system an easy way to figure out who is correct. A neutral observer can see if a block has proof of work or not and follow that. If they both submit proof of work, ask for the next one and go with that one. This is the key innovation of to Bitcoin. Proof of work lets observers know which is correct without reverting to a centralized authority. Proof of work is expensive, so can't be faked and ties are broken pretty definitely. Proof of stake does not solve this problem. Signatures don't cost anything, so two ledgers can have signatures from a majority of the signers and both be valid according to their rules. This means that an observer can't figure out which is the correct one without resorting to some central authority. In a sense, there is no correct one. They're both equally valid according to the rules. In other words, there's no decentralized consensus here. Proof of stake then does not provide decentralized consensus and is therefore useless for the purposes of replacing proof of work. And indeed, every proof of stake system essentially reverts to some centralized authority telling them what to sign because there's no other way to achieve consensus. It is a centralized consensus system which is really no different than fiat money, just dressed up in its dino, decentralized in name only, clothing. Proof of stake doesn't solve anything technical, but it does give its proponents the appearance of something unique and interesting. Sadly, this is all too familiar in this space with blockchain, not Bitcoin, still making the rounds after seven years of futility. The reality is that much like the blockchain, not Bitcoin hype, proof of stake is just as useless. Proof of work 
is an essential part of decentralized consensus and anyone selling you on proof of stake as an alternative is not only wrong but likely clueless ignorant or scamming so I wanted to write this because uh, I, I think too many people are getting on the proof of stake uh, train and thinking, oh, it's just just a giant waste. Why can't we use proof of stake? Well, then you're kind of getting rid of the whole uh, you're you're throwing out the baby with the bathwater, right? Like it's kind of like, OK, we don't like the energy that it's using. So we're going to revert uh, and do this trade off. Well, the trade off ends up you being completely centralized because there's no way for you to know which is the canonical one. Uh, proof of work gives you an objective metric by which to measure ledgers. Um, and if they're in conflict, you know which one to follow because one has more proof of work than the other. With proof of stake, there there is no costly thing. Uh, so there the there's no decentralized consensus there. Anyone can sign uh, or the signers can sign and they can confuse the heck out of everybody. And uh, if the signers are sort of cut off from each other, there's no real way for them to know who which what they should sign so there there's no consensus being made at all it's just a centralized system dressed up in a different way all right let's talk about bitcoin jameson law published his 2021 year end review of stats pertaining to bitcoin as you would expect from jameson he's thorough and puts the numbers in historical context Bitcoin has been growing this past year, and the big stories the number tells is about the mining movement from China and the fees dropping very low. There's also been a lot more trading, and generally the industry is more profitable than ever. Um, yeah, this past year has been absolutely wonderful before Bitcoin uh, adoption and everything else. Um, the fees uh, seem to have gone mo mostly down to the minimum, and... Uh, there was that mining exodus from China, which is a story that you can see in the stats that he shows. CoinKite has published an NFC standard for communicating Bitcoin data with offline devices. NFC is an interesting new way of communicating and does have less security concerns than, say, Wi-Fi. More options are good, and I'm glad that they're implementing the standard which, by the way, is off by default. I once worked on using an audio cable to communicate Bitcoin transactions between online and offline computers. This is much more elegant. <laughs> oh, sorry. Uh, so it, it, NFC is near field communication and it was pioneered by cell phones essentially as a way to communicate using a tap or something like that. Um, and having something like that uh, with a hardware device is an interesting idea. It's a, it's harder to um, sort of subvert as long as you're writing your own firmware, which I believe that they're doing. And, you know, like it's, it's going to be fairly hard to hack into with that, um, unlike something like Wi-Fi or something. Uh, so interesting idea. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see where that goes, but maybe it becomes a standard. Zensword explains the benefits of Opsi TV, which will be enabled by BIP119. This is a good summary of all the different things enabled by Opsi TV in a nice compact way. While Jeremy has been a tireless advocate of Opsi TV, his claims about what it'll enable tend to be a bit scattered. So it's nice to have the benefits spelled out this way. The main things are all covenant related. This, they enable different ways to use Bitcoin. I will say that the main concern for me are the fuzzy property boundaries that this creates, which philosophically is one of the reasons why fiat money works so badly, in my opinion. So, um, you know, when you have covenants, it's sort of you're not exactly giving 
uh, money to somebody else, you're giving them under certain conditions. And I don't know, I find that like a little bit fuzzy uh, as far as property boundary. Who who actually owns it if you give it to somebody only under certain conditions? You you still have some control of it and so on. So I, I don't know, I, I, I have some mixed feelings about that. But that said, the post is worth reading and uh, CTV is certainly worth considering. HRF has announced 4.25 Bitcoin and grants to various organizations and developers. The, grant, uh, the grants vary in what they're achieving, which makes sense given their mission. Congrats to all the different recipients, and I look forward to seeing what they do with it. Uh, so, you know, uh, HRF has been trying to give out a lot of uh, Bitcoin. They, they had a lot of donations. They're looking to make it better and so on. Um, they have some they did announce some bounties a little while back, but this one these are grants um, and these are to developers and uh, people that are um, actually working on this stuff. So good for them and congrats to all the people that received the grants. Uh, Lightning Al Jazeera has aggregated the Lightning Node operator operation resources. This is everything from running your own Lightning Node at home to cloud services to figuring out how to earn routing fees. The collection here is impressive and reminds me of the early days of the internet and its simplicity. Much like Jerry Yang's links to various interesting websites eventually became uh, Yahoo, this is likely the beginning of many different things people will be using Lightning for. So, you know, uh, it's just sort of like a collection of links. Okay, here here's some places that you can go to and do things with and, uh, you know, how to run a Lightning node in an interesting way and so on. Um, it really does remind me of the early days of the internet when uh, Jerry Yang had uh, a bunch of interesting links and it became sort of like a go-to place. So hopefully that's, uh, you know, something like that happens on Lightning as well as we go towards a more decentralized web. Fanis Mikalakis uh, explains what anchor outputs are. The explanation is thorough and goes through all the denial of service vectors of RBF and CPFP uh, that's replaced by fee and child pays for a parent as to how they can be used for a pinning attack on lightning as he explains anchor outputs prevent this pinning attack to allow fee bumping should a channel need an uncooperative close the post is instructive for thinking about the game theory behind how an uncooperative close works so um, the explanation for how to do anchor outputs and why they need a carve out and stuff like that. Very, very fascinating. Um, I don't think I knew all of the details of what the pinning attack were until I read this. So uh, very useful for thinking about uh, things adversarially and how attacks like that might happen. These are the things that Bitcoin developers talk, uh, talk and think about, which uh, altcoiners really don't at all. <laughs> Mark Andrew gives us an overview of all the interesting products being built on Lightning. I find threads like this great because it just shows how organic the Bitcoin ecosystem is versus all the altcoin chains where it's so artificial. It's a great link to send to all the morons that say clearly untruthful things like Bitcoin is not innovating. Um, yeah, all the different things that are going on in Lightning are very uh, interesting and they're all organic. It's a, it's not funded by, you know, some foundation that raised a ton of money through an ICO offering or something like that, uh, which uh, inevitably all these altcoins are doing. It's, it's organic. It's people actually wanting to build stuff, which I think makes a big difference. Lightning Escrow is a simple escrow service for transactions using Lightning. The interesting thing about the service is that they only make the routing decision if they do this right and if they do this right and don't uh, actually get to possess the coins at all. 
This is ideal for escrow as you only have to trust their judgment on the sale and not security over funds. So usually the way an escrow service works is that they take the funds um, and then they release the funds to the um, to the seller once uh, they confirm delivery. But with Lightning Escrow, what you do is you're in the middle of the routing and you release the rest of the routing um, if uh, delivery is confirmed. They never actually possess the coin. So makes for a, a very interesting sort of model. And hopefully, you know, the, that, that becomes much more of a standard. And it's a, it's a very different way to escrow. Economics, engineering, etc. Lynn Alden dispels the notion that Bitcoin is a Ponzi. Her defense of Bitcoin is accurate and truthful, even if the same argument has been around a while. The main thing to note is how she subtly shows how altcoins very well may be Ponzi schemes. Many of the things that Lynn mentions as properties of Ponzi are easily applicable to altcoins, but not Bitcoin. Uh, so a very good article by Lynn Alden. As always, she uh, writes quite a bit and... Um, you know, the, she goes through the definition of a Ponzi and how Bitcoin doesn't um, qualify under that. Uh, but yeah, you know, she talks about pre-mines and things like that. Clearly sort of like hinting that altcoins are much more Ponzi-ish than Bitcoin is. Uh, cryptographer Moxie Marlinspike writes about his experience making an NFT. Uh, the story is an indictment on the industry. It's decentralization and name only as the NFT he created was taken off of OpenSea and then subsequently wouldn't show up in any of his wallets. As he discovered, once OpenSea banned his NFT, it was nowhere to be found. If that's not the definition of centralization, I don't know what is. Honestly, Ethereum should be prosecuted for DC full marketing for claiming decentralization on something so obviously centralized. So uh, Moxie, I think, is the creator of Signal and you know, created an NFT, uh, you know, went went to OpenSea, created it, and he did something interesting. He made it so that depending on the browser that you were coming from, it would show a different image for his NFT, which, you know, it's his right to do because really it just points to a URL and he, he controls that URL. So depending on the user agent or the browser that you're coming from, it would show one thing or another. And OpenSea banned it. And then he found out that he couldn't, you know, see it in any of his uh, wallets or anything like that. It is, it just shows how incredibly centralized it is because OpenSea basically uh, controls everything. And all of these wallets depend on OpenSea to show the actual image. So you don't actually own anything. It's a, it's a database row, but the actual practical thing is all completely centralized so you know very interesting article you should definitely uh take a look at it uh, if you're at all interested in nfts and want to know why it's a complete scam arc invest has a framework to evaluate bitcoin using on-chain statistics many of the concepts should be familiar to readers of this newsletter such as bitcoin days destroyed and hodl waves the argument they make here is that these are part of the fundamentals that can be analyzed for how people are using bitcoin and thus be a part of the valuation model personally these all seem like lagging indicators of demand than anything else but it's good to see that they're expending research effort in this direction so they're trying to figure out a good way to um, value bitcoin based on on-chain statistics I, I tend to think it's uh, it's uh, lagging and not uh, precursor to price action uh, but you know i they they might find something and i'm, I'm glad that they're uh, uh, you know trying to figure that out 
Margot Paez makes the case that Bitcoin and progressivism are compatible. The piece is interesting in getting the progressive perspective, specifically the economic arguments. The two most interesting parts were about the fixed supply of Bitcoin and the entire degrowth movement popular in progressive circles. Suffice it to say, this article is encouraging for me to see that progressives talk, talking points against Bitcoin have some natural arguments against it. So, uh, you know, she mentions in the article that like the fixed supply seems very anti-Keynesian or whatever. Uh, but she's like, you know, that that's that's not the be all and end all of Keynesianism. Uh, and there, there are arguments against it. Also, the degrowth movement, which I didn't really know much about, is it's this idea that we should sustainably grow as a human population instead of like the fast pace. Uh, you know, sounds a little bit like Malthusianism to me, but it, it is interesting that, uh, you know, Bitcoin has a place in that too. So uh, interesting article. If you're a progressive, I encourage you to go read it. Level 39 reviews all of Alex Gladstein's contributions this past year on Bitcoin being a moral imperative. Alex has published many important pieces this year about Bitcoin and the US dollar. If you missed any of what he's written this year, this article has a great summary and is well worth reading it all. I think that Alec, uh, what Alex has done this year is incredible and I'm honored to call him a friend. So uh, Alex has written a lot of really good pieces, particularly the petrodollar one and you know what's going on with bitcoin and various uh, oppressed regimes and authoritarian countries um you know his articles have been invaluable and i've been honored to be asked to you know like read through some of them and give them feedback and so on so good stuff some quick hits mozilla gets more woke in the cringiest way possible uh so i i mean i explained that earlier in this uh, how proof of stake is useless they don't really seem to get what proof of work is for uh, and they stopped uh, accepting Bitcoin donations or something like that. Uh, Remington Rainbow shows how community makes a difference in his journey to Bitcoin. So uh, this guy was all coining and everything else and, uh, you know, found plebs and um, started thinking differently. So community does matter. Who knew that Kazakhstan had so much mining hash rate? So apparently they shut down the Internet in Kazakhstan and like 15 percent of mining hash rate came down. So. You know, surprising amount of mining going on in these places that you wouldn't expect. The federal government continues to stifle Wyoming attempts at banking innovation. Uh, it's an op-ed from, uh, I, I think, Cynthia Lummis uh, talking about how, you know, uh, the federal feds are trying to stifle Wyoming uh, in what they're trying to do. So uh seems like there there's some resistance at the federal level, but states really should have the ability to do what they want to try. Another week, another stupid altcoin scam shows how it's completely centralized. So this one is about like the stolen board ape. Um, it's it's showing how NFTs are completely centralized again. <laughs> Events. Bitcoin and the American Dream book launch is happening in Washington, D.C. on February 10th. Can join me and meet the authors as well as some influential pe people in D.C. for uh, for the event. Yeah, so it's uh, happening February 10th uh, in Washington, D.C. I am planning to be in London for Advancing Bitcoin March 3rd and 4th. Um, and I will be in Bitcoin 2022 in Miami April 6th to 8th. And I'll be doing the programming blockchain seminars right before both events podcast etc i took a break this week from bitcoin fixes this as i prepare for season four it will commence next week with an interview with peter mccormick 
Reason TV did a feature on my seminars and thank God for Bitcoin. Um, and you can see that in on YouTube, uh, Jimmy Song, Bitcoin Universities and Christian Theology. I read through last week's newsletter, which you can find uh, part six of my interview series with Robert Breedlove is online. We talked about public property, propaganda and other drawbacks of democracy, which frankly, most people don't think about. My talk from TabConf is up. This one is about Strenar signatures and the main advantages we get out of them. I was on Tony's show for Bitcoin's Bar Mitzvah. Here's the latest book, which is out now, Bitcoin and the American Dream. My other books are Programming Bitcoin, The Little Bitcoin Book, and Thank God for Bitcoin. Unchained Capital is a sponsor of this newsletter. I'm an advisor and proud to be a part of a company that's enhancing security for Bitcoin holders. If you need multi-sig collaborative custody or Bitcoin native financial services, learn more at unchained.com. Fiat the Lenda Est, this song is done.